Now, today, we have a very special guest joining us in the studio, His Excellency. And you know it's special when you have a title like that. Jakob Halgeren, Swedish ambassador to the Republic of Korea, has been in the post since September this year, so it's still fairly fresh. Good morning to you. Good morning, and thank you for having me. Well, it's always nice to have special guests actually here in the studio with us, because um, we speak to people all over the world, oh. uh, and that's part of your job, speaking to people from all over the world. I, I should briefly introduce that you were previously Deputy Director at Stockholm International Peace Research Institute. You worked for the Swedish Ministry of Foreign Affairs as head of its humanitarian division, and before that as head of its division for conflict issues. We certainly have a few of them on this peninsula. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. You're, you're kind of in the right place, but... Actually, Sweden has a particularly important role to play, uh, representing U.S. affairs in North Korea, mm, for example. Mm, that's correct. Now, now Sweden has uh, a bit of a particular role, as you say, in the fact that we do have a, a, a an embassy in Pyongyang. We were the first uh, Western country to open an embassy in 1975, and and we're also taking care of the of the United States consular interests, given that they do not have an embassy. Uh, since then, uh, we ha- obviously have an embassy here in Seoul, and we're also uh, supervising the armistice along the border, along the DMZ, uh, the so-called Neutral Nations Supervisory Commission. And all of that, of course, gives us a little bit of a, of a particular role, even though we're a small player, of course. So. But how did Sweden take this role in the first place? Why Sweden as opposed to... Uh, I don't know, any other number of potentially neutral countries or countries that could act uh, on the U.S. behalf? Uh, well, I mean, it could have been others. That's that's for sure. I mean, there are others such as Switzerland or maybe Finland or Austria and others. But but I think it's, it's a, a tribute to the fact that Sweden indeed has a long internationalist uh, and, uh, tradition. It has invested in the international. Sweden had one of the very first secretary generals to the United Nations, Dag Hammarskjöld. Uh, it's been considered uh, as, uh, as an honest broker and, uh, and an actor that in you know engages in international affairs and in fact ranked third on the democracy index by the economist intelligence unit there are all these indices that we talk about but this one seems fairly significant what's the secret behind that strong democracy Uh, beyond what you've just said yeah well there's many uh, many many countries with strong democracies of course but well i mean sweden has been uh, at peace for more than 200 years sweden well, at least since after the Vikings, we've never had slaves in Sweden. Uh, and, and, you know, a strong, a strong democracy movement, a labor union, etc. in the 19th century that led to the democratic uh, uh, developments. Uh, and I'd also like to say something which I think is a bit particular for Sweden, and that is that Swedes are actually fairly happy to pay tax. And why is that? That's actually quite a controversial statement in some countries. Well, Swedes, I think, have never really been betrayed by the state. So when the state says that they will deliver education or health care or, 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 or other uh, social services, well, they actually deliver it in a fairly okay way. And all of that creates uh, some kind of a social contract that is good for democracy, I think. Of course, um, having a, a strong democracy might 
also lead to being fair in all sorts of ways, like the diplomatic sense we were just referring to. But, but these days, I can't help wondering whether democracy itself is under great challenge, and it, it might undermine a country's diplomatic capabilities. For example, with the US ha- having to be far more transparent than some of its um, rivals, should we say, mm. on the world stage? Well, obviously. As a diplomat, it's incredibly important to respect every country's choices when it comes to 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 the way it's governed, and especially if if that government is uh, is a result of of uh, democratic elections. And then you simply need to be true and open and transparent about your own values while respecting the other. And sometimes you need to agree to disagree, of course. But uh, but but I think that that's the only way to go forward, really. As a diplomat yourself, I presume you're you're in favour of dialogue on this peninsula, uh, involving the US directly, not just having to act as the go-between. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, last year's uh, escalation and and threats of violence was, of course, a, a um, you know a, a scary experience. And as uh, as a diplomat, as you say, I'm extremely glad that that has been replaced by a focus on dialogue and and conversation and hopefully negotiations uh, from uh, sometime early early this year. And I, I sincerely hope that that will lead to uh, to improvements in the inter-Korean relations, in the relations between. North Korea and the United States, and and with uh, the other uh, the other uh, important countries in 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 the region. But but it's uh, it's it's uh, of course a big challenge, uh, big uh, and strong. Uh, how should I put it? Vested interests in 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 the in the, in the different uh, countries. So so it's it's a challenge. Yeah? And, and when confronted with a challenge like this, and, and again coming back to democratic matters. We are here in South Korea democracy. President Moon Jae-in's approval rating seems to bounce up and down based on how his North Korea policy is concerned. Is it is it very important for him and President Trump and the other key players, Mike Pompeo, your US counterpart, that everybody just remains patient no matter what the public's saying? Well, I think uh, first of all, it's all it's important that they find a way to find common ground, that that they keep the dialogue and the negotiations uh, going. Because I don't think that the general public is stupid; they will look for results, of course. Uh, and and uh, some of the things that have happened uh, over this year, with the openings and the spectacular and historic meetings, are of course a fantastic first steps. But but it's a long way to go to. To move towards peace, to dismantle the North Korean uh, nuclear uh, arsenal, uh, etc., and and uh, I, I sincerely hope that they, uh, the key players there, are finding a way forward. And I think one thing that is important, especially as a diplomat, is to emphasize the need of building trust. You know, it's like basic uh, interpersonal uh, things like that you trust your counterpart and 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 that uh, i think is uh, not yet uh, entirely uh, the case uh, because there's such a long history of yeah. of, of mistrust uh, and uh, what is perceived as broken promises from both sides etc speaking further of history and building trust that's something that seems to exist between 
this country and Sweden. And while we have you in the studio, can we, can we reflect on the fact that next year marks the 60th anniversary of the establishment of diplomatic ties? It's something that coincides with you being here as ambassador. Yeah, well, I'm extremely happy to be uh, be here and actually to be here a little bit earlier so we have time to prepare. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's a fantastic relation. I had the privilege to to meet with President Moon when I handed over the so-called letters of credence that you have to do as an ambassador and and he emphasized it himself that uh, we need to do something good of of this anniversary. Well, Sweden is not the only country with which Korea is celebrating uh, anniversaries uh, next uh, year, but but that's uh, I mean it reflects a strong uh, a strong relation between two countries and and, and quite an exciting history I think. Yeah. It's something that ambassadors do though when they come to new countries try to establish some common ground, mm, mm. and and I've heard from ambassadors from other nations yeah. um, you know similarities between their countries and. Korea. You actually mentioned lots of similarities mm. between the two, mm. and you, and you uh, did so in a YouTube greeting. <laughs> so you've also um, gone a step further, in a sense, by employing social media. Yeah. Uh, has that been successful? Yeah, I think so. I've heard uh, several people who've referred to that. And, and, and I do think, I mean, obviously, Korea is a big and important country with many important relations, and, and Sweden is... Uh, uh, is not such a big country and quite far away, but but I think it's quite extraordinary, even from a Swedish point of view, to see that, for instance, Swedish doctors and nurses uh, nurses came to Korea to Busan, uh, you know, in September 1950 already to set up a field hospital that that uh, uh, treated wounded and, and and sick throughout the the war. We've had this uh, neutral nation supervisory commission uh, since 1953. Every day, every year uh, since then, Swedish officers and and we have strong relations. We have, I'd say, that Sweden and Korea are similar in the sense that there is a strong engineering and industry tradition. I'll tell you an ep- uh, an anecdote. Mm. When I was a young uh, guy, I lived in a, in a small town in southern Sweden. My father was an engineer, uh, and this uh, small town in Sweden uh, built ships, oil tankers. But towards the ends of, of the 70s and, and, and the mid-80s, all of a sudden that went didn't go so well any longer because there was this country far away that produced uh, ships that were almost as good but much uh, cheaper. And it actually led to uh, that progressively that shipyard had to close down because the competitions were too, too fierce. And that country was actually South uh, Korea. Mm. So, so, uh, and I mean that. And now was, we're coming under it, similar pressures from well, China. Well, this, I, this here's the twist uh, to the story that that was, of course, a bit of a trauma at the time. Even though, as a small trading, export-dependent country, you're open to competition. So, when that shipyard closed down, everybody wondered, though, how will it go and everything. Ten years later, that site was full of startups, small and medium-sized companies of different sorts. So we weren't dependent on one big employer, but many small. So it shows that even if there are hardships for such an industry, it can actually change and turn into something good. 
Well, let's see if we can learn that part of the lesson as well. <laughs> um, there are some other fun aspects mm. of sharing culture. One of your embassy colleagues was wearing an interesting outfit when uh, you went to meet President Moon for your handover of, of Letter of Credence. Can yeah. you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, that's my dear colleague Marianne, and and she's wearing a a traditional uh, Swedish costume from uh, one of the small uh, communities in central Sweden called Rättvik, which is a small town um, part of Sweden that is uh, often referred to by some as the cradle of, of Sweden. So so that national costume is what you used to you know have uh, in the nineteenth. Uh, 18th and 20th century, early 20th century, when you, you know, for festivities. And and uh, so the colors have a significance, the cloth have a significance, uh, etc. And it's still used uh, by, by many people for, for uh, ceremonies. Huh? So I, I found that really great when she, she suggested she wanted to wear that. Huh? And I guess you've noticed already that it's something that's very commonly done here in South Korea, uh, probably more so than many of the countries I've either visited or lived in, this idea of wearing hanbok for many mm, different occasions. Mm, it's mm. not, okay, in everyday clothing, no. but but it would be uh, common for people to wear it several uh, times a year. Well, I think it's probably more common here than in, in Sweden. I, actually, in Norway, it's more common than Sweden uh, as as well. But I think it's a nice uh, tradition. And of course, you should you should be aware of and you should... Uh, appreciate your 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 traditions that's incredibly important for uh, anybody i think you know your roots etc coming back to the situation here in korea what what would you say would be your greatest goal for the the period that you're going to be here as ambassador well I think first of all it's 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 big shoes to fill and it's a hard act to follow I have some fantastic predecessors but but uh, my my goal is really to continue to deepen and to broaden the the great relations between our two countries next year's anniversary is going to be a great opportunity I hope that there will be you know uh, important uh, high level visits in both uh, directions which will you know make sure uh, you know enable our joint uh, trade to flourish, but not only trade. I mean, the youth culture, music, food, there's so much... uh curiosity currently uh, about Korea in Sweden, I can tell you. And I, I hope that the same will be uh, the case for Koreans uh, about Sweden. Your Excellency, thank you for joining us today. Some might call you Jacob Halgren. Yes, thank you. I'm going to say Jakob Hagerin. Is that right? Yeah, that's excellent. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much for being here.